I went around, I took a group of women hunting um, in a troopie, and we went out, and um, women had a great big long pole, maybe a metal pole of some sort, and they dug. They knew exactly the bush where the um, witchery grubs would live, and they lived in the ground, very deep, and they would cut out these roots, and they were quite thick, and they would cut them open, and then the witchery grubs were inside them. So, and then, then they would cook them, so, or they would eat them straight away. The children loved them. It was like thick yellow yolk, very, very rich in protein. Yeah, I lost the thread of where we were going with that, but uh, the, oh, the, the West Coast. I'm Emily Kyle, and this is Local. This is a conversation recorded with my dearest friend, Queenstown-based textile artist, Mary Louise Burns. This episode was recorded in January when the project was very new. Well, uh, let's start with where you grew up and your family. Okay, and we'll start with my name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, my name is Mary Louise Burns. That's a beautiful name. And I was born in Springfield, Massachusetts um, a couple of years maybe just a couple of years after World War II, um, because my parents um, had just come back from the war. My father was um, a Marine at Iwo Jima and many other battles. And my mother was um, a nurse, a lieutenant in the army, bringing out the wounded in the Philippines. But they grew up together in Massachusetts, and they knew each other. So they they came back to Massachusetts and and they got married and they had me. And you have lots of sisters as well, don't you? Yes. Um, um, my, well, we stayed in Massachusetts until I was seven. Um, and in that time, I had a brother and three sisters or two sisters. <laughs> I had Kathleen, Anne, and my brother. And then Barbara, Julie, and Sarah and Margaret were born um, in Seattle and Melbourne. Oh wow! So you moved. You moved all over. My father was working for Pratt and Whitney, um, which makes um, engines for jet airplanes. So he went to Seattle to work with Boeing, and from there we went to Australia. So that was a big adventure for us. As yes, a family. Absolutely. So we were um, seven children then, and then Sarah was born in, in Melbourne when I was 19 years old. So did you take on a, a bit of a maternal role in your family? Yes, definitely. Eldest? I was the eldest. So, um, yes, I looked after my sisters. In fact, my sister Margaret um, was almost like my own baby. I was very, very close to Margaret. Oh, that's wonderful. So, yes, so wherever we went, we were um, self-contained. We, we, we weren't, um, we, we didn't have to make friends. We had a whole family of friends. Mm-hmm. And but, is that how you started sewing, learning to sew and bake? And 
Um, I started sewing um, when I was about 12. I started using a sewing machine that my grandmother had given my mother, an old-fashioned white sewing machine. So I started sewing clothes. And it was, it was very exciting because my father had just come back from a tour, a sales tour of the seven, 707 airplane all around the world. And he brought me back materials, silk from Thailand. And, and I remember, um, you know, making dresses. And uh, it was the beginning of my sewing. And what were the colors like? I think the main dress I made was probably a Vogue pattern when I was 13 of, of bright um, pink um, <laughs> Thai silk, which I have since um, over-dyed, and, um, and it's much more subtle because I still had a lot of fabric for my father, and it was very garish, and I over-dyed it, and it's, it's very subtle and, and beautiful. And that was the beginning of my dyeing. And how old were you when you started the, the dyeing? How old were you then? Um, I really didn't start dyeing seriously until I was at the Canberra School of Art. And we were dyeing fibers for weaving. We were introduced to so many beautiful um, forms of, of making textiles and um, Yes, it was, it was quite special. And we started um, um, dyeing with all kinds of dyes. Did you use, um, I know that the dyes that you're using at the moment are the naptal dyes? Yes. Um, uh, at some stage, um, I, I was the secretary for the Batik Association in Sydney. And, really? And, yes. I yes. didn't know that about you. Yes. And um, so we used wonderful naptal dyes uh, from Batiko Taro, which was, uh, it was is still, um, I think it's called Dye Man now in Sydney. Oh, wow. And it has wonderful dyeing um, materials and everything that you need. And when you, I remember a conversation we were having recently that the uh, the naptal dyes are the dyes that are still used in India now. Yes, they're they're very they're considered very toxic. So I'm just using mine up. I still have quite a few. The color is magnificent. It is. I've seen it, and it's mm, absolutely incredible. Yes, so I think the blue has a lot of natural indigo in it. Mm. Um, it's really, I mean, it's so, it's a perfect blue. Yes, it is. But, um, no, I think they are dangerous. I think it's the, the, um, it's in the mixing of them using the powders. So if you're very careful and I do all that, I don't let anyone else go near that aspect of the dyeing. I do it, but it's infrequent. Mm. So. I don't well, like do it anything, every day. Anything could kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, have you ever worked with uh, natural dyes before? I have. Um, I, I've done a lot on my own when I didn't know what I was doing and, and had vast quantities of foliage and onion skins. Um, and, and it produces beautiful colors, but, but it fades. Mm. very quickly so it's and um so I, I admire people who do the India what is her name India 
She's a wonderful doll. She has a book. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about the woman who was recently in Queenstown. Aki Bunstra. Yes. She's a Dutch woman. And she Yes, she has perfected the eco-dye yes, and she gets she gets very strong colours. Yes, yes. Well, I have um, a wall hanging of hers that yes. I actually bought from you and the yes. colours are beautiful. Yes. It's um, amazing to think that these colours came from the world, the yes. natural world. And, and she knows how to use mordants and different things to keep the colour in. When I when I started, I I didn't I didn't have that knowledge. No, I think it's a lot of trial and error, like with anything, mm. isn't it? So we've got the um, the dying aspect of your practice, which um, you know that you've been dyeing these beautiful silk scarves recently. Yes. Uh, using um, is it the the what's the technique that you were showing me shibori shibori yes and uh, but not stitching because of the silk we we didn't do any stitching on the silk because the holes would show you can do the wrapping and um tying thread around which is incredibly time consuming when you look at the the pattern that it creates the shapes that it creates the um you couldn't imagine how time consuming Yes, that but it's fun. Be. But it's still fun. It is. It's, it, it is fun. and it's very exciting when you take off the threads or it the is, rubber thrilling. bands. Yes, it yeah. is very exciting. Um, and then, and then, we, and then we use the really good strong dyes. Yes, yes. So that that was good. But then I branched into um, the discharge dyeing. Yes, which you've done a lot of. You have an entire series of... In fact, I'm wearing um, a shirt, yes. my, one of my flannel shirts where I've taken the colour out, and I think it's called ombre. That's It is, but yeah. you do it in a completely different way. It's not sort of the traditional form of ombre where, the, where it it's the reduced. darker colour at the mm. top and reduces towards the bottom. It's, it's these... Um, almost um instinctive kind of yes. places where the, the yes it's just whimsical yes it is it yes. is and then you've also embroidered um your beautiful birds yes i've embroidered primitive on them. little birds and they're mm. gorgeous thank you thank you emily <laughs> well my son david gave me two shirts this morning that he wants me to to dye oh so that's and wonderful. and they're beautiful Colors, so I will enjoy doing that. So, but I've also started using here in Queenstown the the beautiful ferns, the um, the cedar branches. Mm. They're very effective, Um, and I plan to start using some of the the um, the design. Instead of just taking out the color, I I want to. put design into the flannel shirts now using the same discharge effect with bleach. Oh, wonderful, because we've seen you um, do that kind of work on your um, on leggings and uh, recently um, long sleeve plain shirts, but then to hmm. work with an already established pattern of the yes. flannel shirts. Yes, yeah, so it's, I'll have to start experimenting. I'm looking forward to doing that mm. in the next few days. 
Well, play is such an important part of your practice, I think. Everything is very experimental and fun. Well, I've turned my whole home into my studio. You have. Can we talk about your home a little bit? Yes. I was fortunate about four years ago to to buy a little miner's cottage um, on the wrong side of the track in Queenstown. (laughs) So it's, it's out a little ways, but it's totally beautiful. I have a mountain of trees behind me and I have Mount Owen in front and the, it is so aesthetic. I just love it. And now I, and I work incredibly quirky. My son has left me sadly and I've taken (laughs) his room for my sewing machines. So my whole house I spread out with all my fibers and baskets. It's an incredible space. There's just beauty and color everywhere. Yes, I love color. Yes, I do. You do. <laughs> so, but it is it is very um original. My my kitchen is um very original. I mean, I'm still it's still 1930s, 1940s. The cupboards, the sink, it's it's a bit primitive. But I'm I'm capable of of cooking almost anything in it, so I'm quite happy. Oh yes, you are. You have, I am a cook. Yes, you are an incredible cook, and you're known for your dinner parties and your beautiful guests. Everyone that comes through uh, Queenstown through QBank and the Unconformity, it seems like everyone has been to yes. your home. Yes, well, we do entertain here in Queenstown. Shockingly, yes, yes, we do. Um, oh, so yes. we're in a special part of the world. We really are. The landscape is is incredible. I think that that's probably going to be a through line of every discussion I have. It's just mm. marvelling at the incredible landscape and especially today it's very, um, it's rainy and it's cold in the middle of summer and all of the green, it's so green. It is very green. It's very beautiful. Our plants were in shock because I think we had about a week of sun, <laughs> and and now now they're happy again. Well, I mean, we're really in the middle of a regenerated rainforest now. Yes. It is extraordinary. I look out at Mount Owen, and the trees have gone all the way up to the top. It is. It's breathtaking. It is. It yes. really. So is. we're very happy here. Yeah. Um, you and I, uh, we've been working together on some collaborations that yes. have really focused on, um, I guess, sustainable, sustainable textiles and sustainable fashion where everything we've used has been recycled. Yes. Just what, yes. what we have, which is something, a through line that's in your work. Yes, totally. I've been working with um, recycled quality materials. I've been co- a collector of of beautiful wool sweaters and fabrics, and um, that's what I've been working with mainly. And I'm yes. fortunate to receive a grant from Unconformity, which has helped me with my lighting and windows and fixing up the my actual studio part of yes. my house. Because it was it was an open space, and it's impossible 
to work in in the weather yes. conditions that I had, have. I had rain coming in, so it's now waterproof. I have doors. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a wonderful space. It is. It's so really I hope incredible. to be able to have you and your mother for um, to show you the dyeing. Your mother wants to do the discharge dyeing. Yes. Yes. She and- she likes her tights. Yes, she loves them. And a lot of people love your tights, your leggings. Mm. Um, and you've done workshops, a lot of workshops in the past. Yes. I actually think that that's what had cemented our friendship when we first met at your pop-up shop. Yes. On Orr Street. Um, and then I came to your toothbrush rug workshop which was I had and your mother and and your mother mother was shy at that stage yes she she's not so shy anymore which is wonderful it is but um yes and her work is exquisite yes she's got great technique yes she does when we were there I I know personally my mum has a background in um in sewing she was an industrial machinist for um the New South Wales Police and the Australian Army, and but I, I personally had never worked with any any textiles before, yes. and then to come to this workshop, and you're such a an incredible teacher and educator, you're incredibly patient, and I would um, hope so. <laughs> but it was um, it was such an eye opener. Yes, it was it was it's a lovely technique. It goes back to the 1930s when um women in the United States were um using scraps of of fabrics, wool, anything um to make these rugs. And the original technique um goes back to Scandinavia 3000 years ago they found um this technique called nail binding on on the ocean. Um, they found pieces of it, and um, it's an old Scandinavian technique with a, a funny little tool um, using two two um, lengths of fiber, and it cre- it's it's very economical. It's very simple yes. as well. It's, and um, and then um, I think these ingenious women um, carried it on further in tearing the strips and joining them without sewing. Very, very, very clever. Yes, it's um, it's amazing, and this feeds back into you know something that's incredibly important to you, which is sustainability. Yes, definitely. And so we we used um, a lot of old sheets. Yes, uh, everything was recycled. It wasn't yes. you know. So no it, one... it creates a beautiful, heavy, thick rug. And a part of that is the fact that it is recycled, isn't it? Because the it's materials been with your hands. washed and and used. That it's um, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? And then you carried it to a different level oh. using um, minute fibers to create your vessels, which yes. are are very special. Oh, thank you, Mary. I love them. But, um, yes, you certainly see things differently, Emily. Oh, and this is something that we have to talk about is your vision, which is incredibly unusual. I'd love to talk about your experience at the Alice Springs 
Bainey Festival and the hats. Okay, yes. That you've created. Yes. Um, I've been fortunate to be able to teach in very remote Aboriginal communities. And so I was also interested in the Alice Springs Bainey Festival. And I am my proudest claim to fame uh, would be winning the um, oh, the competition on several occasions. Yes. And what are the pieces that you have won? Okay, they have unusual names. Um, the very first one, um, I received um, the award for uh, unusual, rare and unusual work, and it was called Ruslana Babinskis finds it very hard to find a good battle helmet these days. <laughs> I know, long, a mouthful. But it was um, a recycled hat um, with sort of ear flaps, and it was pink. It was red and pink. And then because I, I have done a lot of glass um, beads with a hothead torch, it was encrusted with maybe a hundred glass beads. Wow. But I never took a photo. Oh, which is devastating because I've seen your And other I sold hats it. It sold. Oh. I don't know if it sold for the hat or for the beads, but it sold. It's oh it sounds wonderful. I wish that I could have seen it. It's, yes, well oh. that that was that one. And then the second one that I won was a people's choice and that was called Life is Great. Um, and oh, it was has to be one of my favorites of yours. Thank you, Emily. Um, it was three tiers of important people in my life, my whole family. And so I had enough people so it would fit around my head <laughs> of eight children and my mother and father. These little people that were probably about five, five or six inches high. Mm. And then the second tier um, were my um, children and my daughter-in-law and my granddaughter and the top one were my ex-husbands <laughs> I know I don't really want to say that but um, but it's it, the best part <laughs> thank you Emily thank you so that that was that hat and then what I think I think I won another one but I can't remember I did the bedtime stories with um, the little um, the gingerbread man with all the oh, animals. yes, and you've and still got that's in your home Yes, now. I do have that. Yes, when I popped in yesterday, it was um, sitting next to um, your uh, mannequin. That, is it a mannequin? Yes. Um, with one of your recent reconstructed jumpers. And it's it's always so lovely to see. Thank you. Um, and... Um, I'm thinking about your, um, I love chess. That, oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that, that was an unusual hat. Um, it was um, a metal chessboard covered in hand-knitted um, chessboard, black and white, and it had, I think, um, green cable knit on the bottom, um, and it was attached to um, a structure like a little hat um, made like an Aboriginal basket. Wow. And, then, um, and then on the top were Aboriginal animals for, to play chess. So instead of castles, I had trees. 
I had the black burnt trees and I had the white growing trees. For, so we had the different colors. And I had a kangaroo for the king, an emu for the queen, um, a snake for the bishop, I think a goanna for the knights, and for the pawns, witchetty grubs. <laughs> so. so I can't imagine why that hat didn't win that, that year. That hat didn't win that year. But, but I, I would love for you to tell the story of um, your own award ceremony. Yes, at the same time I made um, uh, or at least a dozen little um, um, witchetty grub uh, pins. They were the little fat. These were all made out of recycled wool and embroidered mm. and then attached to a pin. So they were like a brooch. And so I was able to distribute them to nice people in Alice Springs. Oh, I remember you telling me about seeing, um, I think it was a couple dancing and you decided that they were the best dancers. Yes, and they were awarded, um, yes, pins, oh. my funny little. I keep then calling them maku because that was the Aboriginal word. I don't think witchetty grub. Um, it was wonderful working um, in Aboriginal um, communities. I think that's the Pitanjara maku was, was the witchetty grubs. And we went out hunting and uh, found huge witchetty grubs. How big? Um, about three, four inches, nice oh, big fat ones. I just, I remember them not when, when I think of them, um, I remember them being smaller than that and, and white. Yeah, and they're white. The way that just, that if you poked them, they'd really quickly curl in on themselves. Yes, yes, they, they do. And, oh. Well, um, I went around, I took a group of women hunting, um, in a troopie and we went out and um, women had a great big long pole, maybe a metal pole of some sort, and they dug. They knew exactly the bush where the um, witchetty grubs would live, and they live in the ground very deep, really? and they would cut out these roots, and they were quite thick, and they cut them open, and then the witchetty grubs were inside them. Wow. So, And then, then they would cook them. So, or they would eat them straight away. The children loved them. It was like thick yellow yolk, very, very rich in protein. What do they taste like? Well, I went from group to group where I was offered, and I said, no, thank you, I've just had one. But finally, <laughs> I decided when they were cooking them that I would try one, and they're delicious. Really? Totally, totally delicious. A nutty Yummy, yummy taste. Oh, wow. I would never have guessed nutty. Yes, nutty. Oh, my gosh. And what are the, now I'm having this other image in my mind. Do you know those, the, the sort of worms that, that are like the witch tea grubs, but they're very spiky and colourful? Do you? Look, they? Oh, they're like um, a caterpillar. Yeah, they look like a caterpillar, but or or there is that funny, lovely little um, goanna or lizard that mm. from Alice Springs that is all spiky. Is it? And, yes. Oh, wow. and it's a beautiful color, so of like orange and red, and um, they're oh. lovely creatures. They are. They're beautiful. Mm. I'd also like to talk about the figures that you've been 
making at the moment to go alongside your reconstructed junkers? Yes. Well, I, I think I'm quite happy with the shape that I've made. Um, I think it will um, be quite flattering on lots of shapes or lots of um, different sized girls. And um, so I'm using several different wool jumpers in different colors to cut up and put together. And to, as a, um, a final closure, instead of having buttons, I, I think I will stick the, these little creatures on snaps or press studs, as uh, Australia says, oh, press yes, studs, yes. a large press stud, so that um, it, it's like a, um, like a huge button. And so I've made um, two mermaids at this stage. Yes, who both a, a have a green names. one and a blue one, <laughs> and um, and just one kangaroo. The kangaroo is to accompany the design on the back of one of the jumpers. Yes, and they were the the, the back is very colourful, hand knitted. Yes, they're hand knitted. Oh, so amazing. I use a mixture of hand knitted and machine knitted, but all. Um, soft wool mm. so that it that it doesn't itch. I don't like yes. itchy jumpers. No, we've spoken about how important um, the feel of the garment is for you and yes. the shape of it. I'm not into um, wearable art that is um, difficult to wear. Well, that is the purpose a little bit. Yes, that is, that, that is sharp or... Um, sticks into you. Um, with textiles, I want them to feel wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about your home, about your home. Can we talk a little bit more? Certainly. Um, it's, it was built in 1934 by a blacksmith who worked in the mines. So it originally had um, a huge iron gate and um, and more ironwork um, um, as a fence. So um, fortunately, recently um, I was able to um, locate locate it and buy it back. So um, with Unconformity, we have this wonderful um, series of artists in residence coming. And Pete Matilla from Hobart, lovely American boy from Michigan, mm-hmm. um, he, he's a blacksmith and his work is out of this world. Emily. It is. It's, yeah. it's magnificent. And the strength that he has um, to create it and his energy, he, he's, he's quite a remarkable boy. And he works, um, I remember his uh, artist talk uh, from last year, and he works on such large scales. Yes. It's absolutely incredible. We'll have to um, put his information in the show notes because it's stunning work. It is stunning work. Um, he has just started giving workshops um, showing people how to make knives. Yes. I remember you telling me that you went and and I've seen the knife that you That I made. Created. Yes. So I had no idea of... Well, I had a little bit of an idea of what a blacksmith does with molten um, iron or steel mm. and that you hit it with a, with a hammer. Um, but he actually 
um, gave wonderful instructions um, and showed us with his forge. He brought his forge to Queenstown and with a lovely, lovely, another girl, Anna Roberts, Mm -hmm. who had had more experience working um, with blacksmithing. Um, yes, she has previous six I remember having a conversation with her at your house actually about these um th- these vessel type things that she has, has created. Yes, yes, so she has had some experience. So she had arranged to um make make something and so I Steve, um Pete asked me if I'd like to join them and I I said sure. Um and we took um these um, I think they, I don't know what they are called. They're a piece of a machinery. They were round, um, maybe with a diameter of, of five inches, steel pieces that go into some kind of equi- equipment with pulleys. I don't know wow. what they're called. No. But we, um, he um, got them to a stage where he was able to um, make them into three pieces and with one with one piece, um, we each made a knife. Pete made his own knife. Anna made hers, and I made one. <sighs> and so it is. It is. It's quite precious. That's it's beautiful. now about a six-inch knife um, that I could use. It's very sharp, um, and it has a. It's been stamped with an M. Fortunately, he has a few stamps with. Matilla and my name is Mary, so, so I have it worked an M. Out. It worked out. <laughs> and so you're um, hoping that he might be able to reinstall the original. He'll yes, I, I'll ask Pete to do it. Um, he'll he'll be able to advise us what we need to to put it back up in place. And the gates themselves, um, I've been lucky enough to see them, but they're they're quite beautiful. They are very beautiful. They're very um, plain. And um, yeah, it would be wonderful to have them back on the blacksmith cottage. Well, it's a piece of history that, mm. that was almost lost, and now it gets to come home. Yes, that's wonderful. So yes, so this is quite a special place. It really is, and um, it really is. When did you, when did you first come here? So, so about four, four years. years ago. This was before the the. 2014 unconformity? Yes. That's a long time ago, if we add. Almost six years. 16. No, no, the last unconformity was 2018. Yes. So it must have been 2016. Oh, yes. And so I arrived um, a month or two before the unconformity. I met Helena... um, um, at the library where she was working, and she suggested that um, she had seen some of my work because I think I, I had a stall at the market with my fingerless gloves with all embroidered. Yes, and they're reconstructed from um, recycled materials. Yes, as all well. recycled materials, and and hats, mm-hmm. and so she suggested that I I meet her partner. Uh, Raymond Arnold. Now, the coincidence is that 30 years ago, I I did meet um, Ray Arnold, as he was known then. He's now Raymond because um, there are a lot of Ray Arnolds. 
<laughs> so so he he's Raymond. And um, but I I was able to purchase three beautiful huge screen prints that he had <gasps> yes. of Wilson's Promontory. And um, that was 30 years ago. And I remember meeting him because we were talking about um, the, um, the equipment. Oh, amazing. And are these the prints, if I'm remembering correctly, I, I've only seen one. It has color through it, doesn't yes, it? Yes, a lot of color. Um, like like a, um, an impressionist painting, a pointillist. It was yes. hundreds and hundreds of dots to create um, three scenes of Wilson's Promontory. And if you know Wilson's Promontory, that is the most beautiful part of Victoria. Wow. So he's, he's had this theme of nature and um, beauty of the environment. Yes, um, it's interesting to see um, now that his work is um, doesn't it doesn't use color. Now he doesn't use color. He used a lot of color in France. He spent oh. a lot of time there, and he used lace. Oh my god! So it was goodness. a very beautiful time in his work and historical places. Yes, you know, he's he's a the most um, skilled. Um, Printmaker. Yes, it's uh, his work is. Well, yes, truly... and so you are going to benefit with a little bit of his expertise. Yes, he's been very generous. Yes, so, um, so that that was very fortuitous, and I was able to be in the um, art trail in 2016. Then, of course, 2018, um, I was a, I was in the art trail again. Um, in Jenny Lovrock's um, studio. Studio, yes, and that's that's speaking of coincidences. You and I meeting at the um, your pop up shop in Jenny's studio, and realizing that we had the same hairdresser in Mullumbimby only I know. a few years apart. Yes, Frank. Yes. Frankie. Oh my gosh! All of these little connections, and to to come to Queenstown and this place that seems so far from anywhere else and almost it's almost like a reuniting with people i know that you should have yes. known years ago but they're, and they're here. very exciting and um recently at the market because i'm i'm happy to take my work um and have it available um at the sunday market once a month here in queenstown um we, I had an incredible surprise last last Sunday uh, when um, a girl um, from Seattle um, asked asked people in town um, if if they knew me, and they said I would be at the market. So she actually came to the market. Her name is Anne Froelich, lovely American girl, and she purchased my very long. Um, fingerless gloves oh. that I had made. Was and this the elbow you, length ones? You had um, met her on your. I was in Seattle. Trip. Yes, I was in Seattle to see my middle son um, in September. I was able to go back to Seattle for a month. Oh, it's amazing that yes. she had come all this way. And she found me. Yes, and she found you. Yes, it was it was very special. So we'll keep in touch. Um, yes. 
lovely woman, traveling around Tasmania for a little bit longer. Um, and eventually she'll go back to Bellingham, which is not very far from Seattle, but it's in, in a beautiful part of the world. And we, Yes, and we've spoken about the um, similarities between, uh, I think, Seattle and The West Coast, the, the West Coast, Coast of the United States and the West Coast here. Yes, and that, that's very much to do with the... Um, the rainforest, isn't it? The trees, the um, types of yes, trees. Yes, yes. Um, incredible um, trees in Seattle and mountains oh, and I, um, islands. It's just amazing. It's a beautiful place. These these two these two west coasts so far away. And I think that brought me to Tasmania also. Um, when I when I found this little house, I realized I really wanted to stay here because it was so much the air, the trees, the beauty. Um, it was very much like where I grew up. Uh, so, oh my goodness! And then um, another thing that I really wanted to talk to you about was um, Sonia Delaunay. You introducing me to Sonia Delaunay. Yes, her work. Ah, oh, you just. Um, and that the similarity is how she's influenced you in her use of colour. Yes, I think she has. Um, it started because um, Mel has a gallery um, in, um, what is the name of the main street, that street? Oh, that's uh, Driffield Street. Driffield Street, opposite the train station. Um, yes, there's Q a West Gallery. Q West Gallery. Um with a focus on um, pottery and paintings. And um, he had an exhibition for the um, that, that period of... Art Deco. Yes, he Art loves, Deco. He's very interested in Art Deco. So I, I put together a garment um, using Sonia Delaunay's colour scheme where yes. she uses oh. colours that are very close together like um, several shades of red um, will will be um, next to each other in in her work, and um, so I, I made. Which a, at the time is quite um, groundbreaking, wasn't it? It was you just didn't do that. Yes, and the shapes of her garments. Yes, she she's a, quite a lovely um, artist of that period, textile artist. Yes, it did. and she. She was very multifaceted, I think, when I was looking more into her work and her life. She's was, I think, initially started as a painter and then wanted to um, translate that work into, into fashion. And she specifically made a point of saying that, the, that, you know, this isn't a direct quote, but essentially that clothing should be made for the female form, for the body, not and not have the body make itself into something for the clothing. Yes. Which was, again, at the time, of quite a revolutionary thought. Yes, yes. Well, um, uh, in the next exhibition that I'm going to be involved in, I definitely have to have a Sonia Delaunay hat. Oh, so absolutely. I'll have to work on that. They're wonderful. They're very... Um, Unusual in their militant. They're a little bit similar and... to my um, war helmet that I made uh, for um, um, the Beanie Festival. Yes, it's Ruslana. Ruslana. We didn't get an opportunity to talk about Ruslana, 
very much and it would be lovely if we could oh yeah she's a dear friend of mine lovely russian girl whose father was um a georgian prince who had to escape georgia and um and first went to iran then india um i think china and then ended up in india and that's where she was born god it's unbelievable um, she's a very dear friend and she definitely needs a battle helmet <laughs> But she didn't get it. Oh. It was sold. Oh. I'm thinking about the um uh the 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 um beautiful chicken, the chicken soup. That oh yes, that's her recipe. Oh, because her mother was Burmese um and married her Russian father. Um her she introduced me to um, Burmese food, and it's very simple food. So I, I shared the recipe gorgeous. with you, which you enjoyed, it was called panthe. Just a lovely chicken soup served over noodles, um, and then sprinkled with very fine capsicum and tomato. So yes. it's very fresh. Yes, it's gorgeous. Mm. It's very similar to um, laksa. laksa. Mm. That's lovely. So do you have um, any plans for the unconformity this year in terms of uh, anything that you plan to show or do? Well, I think it will be in a similar vein of of my garments. Um, I'm very happy with some of my shapes and so I'll, I'll continue with um, a sort of cardigans and coats but I also want to do more of my um, the discharge dyeing on flannel because Queensland or Queenstown people love flannel. Yes, and yes. so I've also put together a coat with um, with recycled flannel and with the pockets upside down. And, yes, um, oh, it's wonderful. So, so everything that you create is so playful and whimsical. It is a little bit. It's wonderful. Yes. It really contrasts with the the sometimes bleak and seriousness that that serious feeling the town can have. But it has to feel good on. It has to have a nice shape. It has to be flattering. Yes. That's, that's important to me. It is. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this with me, Mary. You're my dearest friend. Yes. Well, I'm number two, I think, in the podcast <laughs> series. And so um, onward. Well, we'll see. I, I really want you to be first. <laughs> yes. Well, we tried first and it didn't quite work. <laughs> uh, I think we're just too close. Yes, we are. Uh, well, is there anywhere um, in terms of um, online um, spaces that people can find you other than in Instagram. Your... I'm Burns653 on Instagram. Wonderful. But we need time because I need to show you today how to finish off your, your tunic. Um, I've bound it with silk bias uh, binding, and now I need to show you how to do the hand stitching. Yes. Oh, thank you, Mary. I'm looking forward to that, Emily. Me too. Okay. This was Local. The podcast is produced by Carter Pierce and myself. Digital media is produced by Tess Gilfeder. Our artwork was made by Gigi Gortz. 
The podcast is funded in part by the Regional Arts Fund and the Unconformity Festival. An incredible surprise. For more information on the podcast and its guests, please go to localthepodcast.com or localthepodcast on Facebook and Instagram.